0: Welcome back to episode number sixty-nine, the Nikki Hayden episode, as if I've coined it, to Parked and Turn One. Here tonight, I'm Jason, aka Captain Novice with my man Bo. I like to call him the helicopter kid or the bad attitude kid. I don't know which one <laughs> it applies tonight. <laughs> Bo, are you there?
1: I'm here, man. How are you this evening?
0: Oh man, I'm I'm good. I'm good. Had a bit of a That's good. A That's good exciting weekend, um, but you know we we got some uh, we got some stuff to talk about tonight. Um, we got a lot going on in the professional world, but before we get to that, I want to say a couple of things. We had we had two uh, on I believe it was August 12th. We had two guys crash and uh, lose their lives uh, later on from the crashes at pit race during a track day on the same day. That's pretty terrible. Um, I want to, I just, I just wanted to mention that, you know, these, these two guys were well loved in the paddock. Um, many of my friends knew them. I did not know either of these men. Um, but you know, whenever someone in the community passes away, it's, it's just no good. Um, so, you know, you know, I shoot, man, it's just, it's just no good at all. Um, so that's a rough weekend. And then this past weekend on Sunday, uh, a guy I do know who, uh, works with N2 and YCRS named Chip Spaulding. Chip, uh, had an off, uh, just after the kink at CMP ended up breaking his neck. Um, he is okay. He had to have surgery to fuse the bones in his neck. So that's not great, but all in all it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. So, you know, well, I mean, look, this year feels like more than any other year this sport has reminded us of just how dangerous it can be. Um but with all that said, it's still a beautiful sport to me. Um and I I still I love it. I can't help it. Um but I want to wish the families of those two gentlemen that passed at pit Race from the crashes at Pitt Race uh, send our well wishes and thoughts and prayers, although that's not going to help them a ton. But, you know, we we definitely feel it in the paddock when we lose people. And then I'm glad Chip is okay. You know, Chip's a good guy. We've, we've talked a lot uh, about different things, and he's a good rider. He was an A group. He just uh, – he had a little coming together with another slower rider at, at the kink. Um, and I've crashed there, so I know it is zero fun. Um, but I'm glad he's okay. Um, my weekend was a little crazy. So, as you know, I rode on Saturday at CMP with Into. Mm. Thursday night, I got my trailer in my driveway, got my stuff loaded up, ready to go. A tire, my tire exploded in the driveway. It just exploded. Um, Like a five inch hole on the inside of one of my tires. Um, On the camper, right? On the camper, yeah. Yeah. So I got that fixed Friday morning and took off and went and rode. Had a good day Saturday. Enjoyed it very much. Um, And then coming home, my truck blew a coolant line. So. Yep, and so I I caught it before it got bad and overheated. Um, I got to a a Love's truck stop. Got my friend Ryan to come and take my trailer the rest of the way home and have my truck towed to the dealership. Then I had my dad bring his uh, diesel excursion up, and we got the trailer out of my yard and my driveway and um, got it back in its place. So all is well. I'm just waiting on to get my truck back. So I've had quite the weekend, man. Um, but really I would have rather dealt with all that than me making a mistake out on track crashing and getting hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so all in all, it was a good weekend. I still had, I had a brilliant time. Um, honestly, I was running better than I really have ever run. I was, I was riding as well as I could ride. Um, and i i felt good about it. So it was a great weekend, had fun and uh i guess i hope i can get out there in october to road atlanta. But um how about you? How's your weekend?
1: Well, uh, yeah, it was it wasn't too bad. I actually uh um sunday i uh you know, you you know that i've been putting the bike back together gradually. As time goes on, um you know, Jason uh, J1, uh we went to his house. Uh we swapped the engine over from the broken frame to the roller uh that uh, that you were gracious enough to sell me and um we for an inflated uh, price, of right, course. Right, yeah. Um <laughs> Jason's still in the black, everyone. We just wanna wanna make sure that that's known. Um but uh Got it. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a slow process, you know, it's kind of, sure. you know, as time goes on, you know, I'm back in school now, so I don't have a lot of time on the weekends uh, to really do much, you know, kind of Fridays and Saturdays are the day that I have to me and, and so we do whatever we can. Um, but uh, uh, all that said, you know, I finally got the body work mounted um, and that was kind of one of the big pieces um, at the, at the end of the, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel really starts to look like a bike after that and getting everything together um yep. and uh Sunday I got everything uh bolted together uh everything was under paint already I had painted the bodywork uh, got everything mounted um went over you know double check fasteners put some air in the tires um and uh just kind of gave everything a once over and um took it back out of took it took it took it around my neighborhood um Attaboy. So that's the first time that I've been on that bike since, uh, my accident in, uh, in 2021. Um, I don't know, and I'm not sure how much in depth we really went to, I can't remember how much we really talked about, um, you know, the, the injuries that I had sustained. Um, well, we knew that it was a, a mistake that I made at CMP, uh, it was a mistake that I hope that I never, ever make again. Uh, my bike, I, my bike and I became disconnected and uh, my bike hit another rider, so you know that's something that I don't ever want to happen to anyone, um, and then something that I certainly don't ever want to be the cause of ever again. Um, Luckily, like he was okay. Uh, you know, he went down, he he was all right, which um, you know, much much better off than I was. Um, I, I had a broken, dislocated hip, um, some uh, I think it was a small what they called a small cut that was on my lung. Uh, separated shoulder, which was later found out to be about an AC, uh, a grade three AC joint uh, separation. So it's still pretty pretty rough, um, but uh, you know, and then some some uh, just just the overall pains that come along with that. I think the foot peg actually went through my boot and through into my ankle. Um, with yeah, you and I we're trying to figure out what, what actually went through, but, uh, you know, the hole that was in the boot was almost a perfectly round hole to fit a vortex <laughs> rear set through it. Um, yep. Yeah. So, well, it definitely wasn't the pavement. So yeah. Yeah. It was definitely so, uh, some pointy and sharp, um, but yeah, to be back on the bike, it was, um, it, you know, it was, it was good. Uh, you know, obviously I'm not, I'm going around my neighborhood, so I'm not going, you know, uh, ridiculously fast or anything or not really fast at all. But, uh, it was good to feel the bike again. it was good to you know i you know kind of squeeze the throttle rather abruptly a few times just to see what the surge felt like again the power surge and then you know and then even squeezing some uh squeezing the brake lever um trying to feel the the lever again trying to mm-hmm. just to get the feel of what the bike's doing um yep. uh, some of the Ken Hill brake drills that he had uh, told me to do. Uh, just in the neighborhood that you can do and, and getting, just getting used to that kind of feeling what my arm feels like under load, getting, you know, moving around on the bike a little bit, feeling compressed again. Um, but it was good. Uh, and I, I mean, it's, it kinda, it kinda sparked a little bit of that, you know, want to get back on the track because you know that I'd been, I'd been questioning it, you know, I wasn't sure not really been super into it recently. Um, not really having a, a big pull to get back on track super fast, um, but uh you know it's 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 coming back gradually i think that it, you know it, there's going to be a big uh there's going to be a big mental hurdle i think for me to get over to get you know get back on track and to to get back up to speed uh to where i was which you know that wasn't really any kind of speed you know i was probably a mid mid pack or excuse me mid pack intermediate uh rider somewhere around there um so i i've got quite a long road to to kind of get back to that Point, I believe, which I'm okay with, you know, because I want to do it, uh, do it right, do it inside my own limits and, uh, you know, maybe kick some bad habits that I might've already had at that point. But, uh, we're actually going, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on uh, vacation right now. Um, so I'm, I'm here to grace you with my presence during my vacation. Mm, thank um, you so much. Yeah. And so uh, much we my wife and I are actually going to get out and try to ride some trails tomorrow so that's amazing uh, we're pretty excited about that and uh it's the first time she's been on a bike since my accident as well so uh, it'll be good for her to get back out on the bike too and and have fun and kind of get away just a no pressure day on the trails and just enjoy ourselves and and uh and just get back into it
0: Uh, well i'm glad to hear that i mean look you had a tough tough go there that was a tough crash um but i'm glad you you mentioned something about that so I've, you know, the, I mentioned the Chip Spaulding crash and, um, you know, he came together with another rider. Mm-hmm. My friend Nick wrote it, uh, VIR on Monday. He kind of bumped into another rider and we had a crash at, into, with, at CMP where one rider took out another rider into turn one. So my thing is, and, and I've, I've talked at length, I think I've, I may have even talked on this podcast about that, but I... I've come to say something, and I said this to our friend Dan today in one of our text conversations, and he said he's going to use it. And that is, you know, when you're at track day, I totally get the frustration of a slower rider being kind of in your way, right? I I was, I I get that. As an intermediate rider, I think you know, and the people that know me know that I was one of the faster, if not the fastest rider and intermediate as long as Nick wasn't there. If Nick was there, then I wasn't as fast as Nick, but I was one of the faster riders and I came up really fast on a lot of people. Just, you know, the smaller displacement bikes, stuff like that. The closing speed was really high. And I really thought about that a lot, but I, I think one of the things that I always tell myself when I'm passing is, um, is to be courteous and not worry so much about getting past them as much as getting past them in a safe manner. Because if you're, if you're closing on someone very rapidly, you're five, six, ten seconds a lap faster than they are. You're closing on them very, very quickly. And I realize that you're not going to get a great lap time if you wait until the exit of the corner instead of the entry, or you wait through a section that's really tight. I realize all that. But if you're closing on that writer in front of you really quickly, most likely you're the more skilled of the two writers. And therefore, when I think that way, it's my responsibility to make sure that I don't do anything that's going to mess with a less skilled writer. Now, a lot of organizations say a lot of things. you know they don't want you to to pass on the inside or take someone's line. I think N2 says they want you diverging lines. they mm-hmm. use that phrase right But I think it goes a little bit more than that. I think even if you can make the pass and they're straight up and down, it's not always a great idea. And I've run into this before, before I was making it into A group and stuff. And they were like, you're just not really aggressive enough with your passing. You need to be more aggressive. Get around those guys because in A group, you're doing this. But my thought process was always, look, the A group guys, I'm going to go in there. I know how fast they are. They're going to be faster than me. This isn't going to apply in A group. I'm I'm not going to have to wait around in A group and I'm largely right. There are people that I'm faster than, but I'm not faster than everybody. And if you're the guy closing and you're closing super rapidly, then you're the guy with more skill and therefore greater responsibility. Now, we all make mistakes and I'm sure this guy that ran into the other guy in turn 1 didn't mean to and of course he said he lost his brake lever his brake pressure and maybe that's true. But honestly, I just I get really frustrated when they want me to be more aggressive passing. I, I I want to have fun, and I don't want to take any of the fun away from anyone else yeah. because it's not acceptable for me to make a pass that I can make without any issue, stand someone up and run them off the track because they're not as skilled as I am. That's not acceptable to me, and I hope that people start to look at it that way because I, I know people that are just ruthless with their passing. And they do it. They're like, well, you know, I paid for track day too. That 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 logic doesn't fly with me. You you paid for a track day, but this person paid just as much as you, and they're they would respect you. You have to assume they would respect you if they could do it. And I sometimes you know you get into the thing with the big bike versus the smaller displacement bike, and I I get some of that. But I think the biggest thing is that if you're the more skilled rider, the, there's more responsibility on your shoulders. Um, I, I'm, I'm a person that doesn't mind a late pass or a close pass or, you know, but I've, I've been doing this for quite a while. I've got a lot of laps, a lot of seat time, Mm -hmm. and it's just my nature not to panic. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, but, you know, but there are people out there that are more prone to it. Right. And I, I, I just don't think it's worth in my, for me, it's not worth me getting by a guy and then you know, getting three corners down and I see the red flag because the guy I got by went off track and hurt himself
1: Yeah, or, I mean, or his
0: bike. That's it, not worth it to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, my crash, that's what it, it was. It was a tough crash for me to get over. You know, it's still a tough crash for me to get over mentally because, you know, that morning, obviously it was first session. Um, so I was that guy in first session that caused red flag. <laughs> um, but, it, you know... It was, I, I, I felt completely inside my ability, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't rushed. I didn't feel frantic. I didn't feel like I was trying to get around anyone. Um, right. Uh, I right. made a pass into turn 11th. Um, you know, our, our friend J1 and I, he and I, we were riding together. Um, we were behind another uh, couple of riders, um, but you know, and, and, and the, it wasn't so close to where, uh, you know, it, that, that I felt like we were completely impeded. Um, right. You know, completely around the track, we were still having fun. You know, he had passed me uh, out of turn eight at CMP. It was into turn eight. I can't remember, but then we got back around through the kink, and then I had saw him kind of pull up in turn eleven, and I just out broke him and just kind of coasted on on by just a little bit under turn eleven, which he wasn't, you know, trying to go in deep or anything. Um, so we had passed each other, and then you know, working through twelve and thirteen, um and then coming into fourteen, I came out of fourteen. You know, and and. I, that was one thing that, you know, I think that we had all been kind of working on throughout last year was, you know, trying to get to hundred percent throttle, you know, out of the corner on the straights to, (laughs) and, and and I did, you know, but, uh, that was the first, uh, track day that I had switched my rear sets over to, uh, uh, GP shift, um, new rear sets. I went to click into third gear and, um, I had missed thirds, like something happened the bike kind of sputtered just a hair and looked and I looked down to check the gear, and clicked down into third, and as I clicked down into third and started climbing the gear, looked back up, and then, you know, the rider in front of me had already entered his brake zone, and by that time, you know, I would grabbed the brake. I think I grabbed the brake, and then shifted the the my weight upwards on the bike just enough to where it started to pick the but the rear tire up, and then that was all she all she wrote from there. So, it, you know, it was. Yeah. You know it's unfortunate, yeah. you know because it was completely yeah. my you know it's my fault you know and yeah. my eyes that's a mistake you know that's but that's a mistake that I don't ever ever want to yeah. make again so no i i I think
0: we all make mistakes, yours just cost you, you know what i mean like we yeah. we make mistakes and get away with them sometimes and and you just didn't if you did that a hundred more times or ninety nine more times, you might get away with it the next ninety nine right and, and it was just a mistake it yours wasn't like refusing to wait on somebody yeah no, that's what i'm getting You're just yeah, taking yeah, your time it's yeah that's kind of what i'm getting at is you yeah. know
1: so, the, uh you know i don't mind if folks pass me quickly but to your point you know i don't want to or pass me closely i had a fellow that passed me on the outside of turn five at road atlanta um, i was on the r1 and he was getting evaled for a group um, on an r6 i believe and he literally—I think I'd sent you the picture before. I got it from one guy's dash cam that he and I—we almost touched knee pucks as he went by. Um, you know, and my on outside my outside knee. Um, yeah. You know, and, and honestly, that really didn't. It, it doesn't bother me. You know what I mean? It, it, it's okay. I'm not. Yeah. I'm. You know, as long as as long as our lines aren't coming together at that point, you know what I mean? Because at, at that point we know I can read where we're going, you know, like, you know, we're dr- sure. starting to drift outside the track. So you just kind of, kind of go with the flow just a little bit and let the situation play out a bit. But I, I'm like you, I don't want to be the cause of somebody else to, uh, to have a bad day or to get injured, right. or you know, have to yeah. rebuild a bike. Cause I know no. what that that's like. And I hate that.
0: It is. And it's easy just to fall into the mode where, you know, you get a little impatient, or you just don't think about the rider. It's not even that you're thinking, "God, I got get past this guy." You're just doing what you're doing um, because you're you're a better, faster rider than the person you're coming up on. But it, for me, I always consider the other guy because I was that guy. I have yeah. been that guy in my time, and it, and it, and I've been the guy that you know somebody's touched me before, and I didn't, I I, I wasn't mad about it, but I didn't like it. Like I, I, you know, I. It wasn't fun for me because I didn't know exactly how to react. It's different yeah, now, yeah. of well, course. And, and I think but, you know, it's just
1: it, it, there's a. I think there's also a component to it, like the people that you, uh, the people that you're around more often, right? So you have a different level of trust for Nick and, uh, say, Dan. Then you might for for someone that you've never ridden with before because you you know tendencies of those riders, you know judgments of those characteristics of those riders. And that's not saying that that rider might be a bad guy that you don't know or a bad girl. You just don't know. So at that point, you might be a little bit more on edge around them and not completely relaxed, which is going to affect how you behave on your own motorcycle, Right. right? So, you know, you're not going to be quite as loose. You're going to have a little bit, you know... Uh, just a little bit different of an input possibly into the bike so you know i think all that kind of goes into it for just a little bit um and, and i think that's you know as long as it, if and that's where track the organizers i think try to put everyone in the same frame of mind to eliminate that at the beginning of the day you know to kind of relax you try to yeah, yeah. And, and they do it that that's all they can do you know they they yep, can't make right. people behave they can't make people be right. decent people right
0: Right. No, 100%. I, I, look, you know, so I say this all the time. In A group, the close pass, I don't even think about it. I don't care. Wherever it is, inside, outside, you do what you got to do. Because I'm trusting that you're skilled enough to pull this off without yeah, messing yeah, with both yeah, of us. Yeah, organizations wouldn't put you in, 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 that, yeah.
1: in that group without yeah, right. without you having that skill.
0: But in intermediate, I'm not so happy about it. Like, I don't I don't know you. I don't know whether you just almost took us both out or that you're better than me. Let's find out. You know what I mean? I don't know you. Right. So an intermediate a little different story. But unfortunately, intermediate, they call it the terror dome for a reason. And the reason, it's a meat grinder because you have the guys coming up from novice uh, and the, the the people, guys and men and women coming mm-hmm. up from novice yep. that are running a pace that's, sometimes you know mid pack to back end of intermediate but then you have the guys that are in intermediate that are really almost ready or ready to get out right and move on to the higher group because their pace is up there and when you throw all that together you do sometimes have some bad some bad coming together and it is unfortunate truthfully um but you know a couple of my friends got uh, bumped to intermediate this past weekend on the Saturday and then they got out there, and the first thing that one of them said to me was, man, you guys came by me. I tried to hang on to you. He said, but, oh, my goodness, man, no way. And I was like, dude, you just give yourself time. You'll be there. It's not. It's, uh, this is not magic. Yeah. It's just seat time. And he was like, I, I really thought I could stay with you, especially through the carousel, you and the other guy. And I, I said, you will. It's going to come. It's, uh, there was a time when that would happen to me all the time. And I was like, oh, man, you know, you feel like you're doing great and then somebody comes by you and in three turns you can't even see them. Right. <laughs> you're like, all right, so I'm doing not as great as I thought, but I still feel good. So whatever. But the but the truth is, is that we all just have to respect each other out there on track. I, I just I'm a big I'm a. I think you made the joke one time that I'm the most polite pastor in the paddock um, at, at one of the events a couple of years ago, but it's true. You we were making the joke that there was a, a person that was constantly complaining about people passing them or whatever. And you said, well, if she, if she comes up or he comes up, I don't remember who it was. If they come up and say, Jason Cole passed me hard or whatever, we're like, you're a liar, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's the truth. Like I just, I, I will always wait you know, I'll either, if I don't feel like I can get them easily, like I'm way past them or yeah, you, easily, yeah. you know, back wheel, I'm 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 easily a bike in front of them. I'm not going past you, but I'll get you on the exit. Now, sometimes, you know, you, you just, I, I'm waiting, 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 just to see if I can figure out where you're going. Cause like you said, I don't know you, I yeah. don't know where you're going. And an intermediate, sometimes the lines aren't consistent, right? So it does, but I can, but with the bike that I have, I don't have any issue getting out of the turn and 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 getting by people on straight up and down. So it's just it's just a matter of choice for me and it's the way I approach it. I I just feel I I I don't like it when I see two guys come together and I don't like it when one of the people made a really poor decision as far as, you know, just trying to get by somebody rather than waiting for a safer moment because you were you're obviously faster, but you're so worried about a lap time that you can't maybe lose a half second there just to back off a hair and then get them on the exit instead of trying to grab them on the entrance. I mean, we saw it last year in the kink. Somebody tried to pass on the inside of the kink. Right. <clears throat> what? <laughs> you know, why? But it happens. Um, but enough about the philosophy of riding as known, by, you know, in the mind of Captain Novice. Have you had enough of that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> had you had enough before we started? Be honest.
1: Yeah. I, what time did you text me? Seven twenty-five. There was. <laughs> oh, there's a groan. Oh gosh. Oh, but I got I disappeared enough tonight. You know, <laughs> new phone. Who <new> this?
0: <laughs> right. Right. Well, let's talk a well, little bit about what's good conversation. No. No. In all honesty, good conversation, no, along like, it's
1: a good I, conversation I, to have. You know. um I think you know people get a, people hear a spew about MotoGP and and Moto America all the time, yeah. and um, you know sometimes we'll talk about ourselves a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. it's good conversation and and I think that's a conversation that you know it's a little bit more interactive too with other folks. Is you know they see on Instagram posts and you know engage with us a little bit, and, you know tell us how big of uh, you know morons we are for and how wrong we are about this opinion at track days because. Dan sure isn't bashful to tell us all that, so you should... Yeah, but he
0: he does it behind closed doors because he's an undercover meanie. Like everybody thinks Dan's great, but really Dan's always get the knives out.
1: We're gonna eyes. have we're gonna have Dan, uh, Dan's gonna be like the, the our argument corner one night. We're gonna have to have oh him as a gosh. special guest then. That might
0: you know what that might be one of our funniest episodes. Let's give him ever. a buzzer every
1: time he disagrees <laughs> with something. we gonna bang in the background.
0: <laughs> there will be zero times where that buzzer is not going bang <laughs> bang 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 bang. Um, but I, I think you know I think for most of us it's a relatable situation, mm. uh, being in a track day and a guy or a girl is slower or a person let's just say person is slower or faster Uh, we've all experienced both of those things at a track day and it's and you know I told someone the other day one of the biggest motivations I had to keep moving up for the groups because I had always I always made the joke it's fun to feel like a hero in the smaller groups as you got faster and faster but one of the things I liked that's basically how you built
1: your name though right that's
0: right well right exactly because I stayed there so long and somebody just said it one time and I was like, you know what? That's funny. I'm using it.
1: I think Um, that was my first words to you when we first met, you know, that, uh, you and I had coordinated to meet and I just looked at you and I said, captain, and you, you started laughing and (laughs) saluted me and we shook hands and that was it. And, you know, two years later, he's parked in turn one.
0: That's right. That's right. That was at CMP, you know? And, and so the, in, in all fairness to, uh, All the people that ride track days, we're all out there to do the same thing. And that's enjoy our time on our motorcycle. That's it. And I make the comment many times, whether I'm going 125 or 25, I'm on a motorcycle. I'm having a great time. I will amend it to say if I'm going 25 and it's 93 degrees outside, I'm not having as good a time in those leathers. I'm just not.
1: <laughs> Your fun having potential is not good enough. Right.
0: The fun meter gets pegged out at that point. Like it's on <laughs> it's it's on empty. But at the same time, you know, uh, every time I'm out there, I have a great time. Um, and there's lots of running commentary in my helmet during the laps. Uh, just because I, I talk out loud in there. I don't know why. But it it was what it is. But I, I think you're right. I mean, people here is talking about things that we don't really have any real um, like knowledge of what goes on inside the garage in MotoGP or World Superbike or Moto America. But what we do have is what goes on on the track at a track day. You know, there, there's yeah. we have lots and lots and lots of insight there. I, I really. I really enjoy this sport, and 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 a track day is a way for me to be connected to what those guys are doing at the professional level on track. I can't do like they do, but I can ride where they ride. Sometimes, I can I can be in the same corner, and when I see them do a cool move into a corner I've been through many times, that's kind of cool, right? Like it is. It's it's like, it's a cool thing to do. So, anyway, let's let's talk about what's going on. We got some news in MotoGP last week. There's going to be a change in format. Now, we know that there were some announcements this week about teams firming up their roster for 2023. We'll talk about that. But let's d- jump into what was announced the week before the sprint races. What was your initial thought when you heard about the Saturday sprint race?
1: Um, follow the money. Uh, if you want me to be honest, that was my, my initial thought um, because one And why F1. do you say that? F1. It, it's oh, completely okay. F1. Um, it, you know, with with cues, subtle subtle hints from World Superbike, you know, people will be like, oh, it's nothing like F1. F1 doesn't do it at every single round. Da, 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 da. That's fine. You can win. You, you know, you can argue all you want to. This is my show. So anyway. The, my my first take on that was F one because you know MotoGP is the pinnacle of the sport. F one is the is absolutely the biggest spectacle when it comes to motorsports. Um, Four in the wheels, world. yep. You, you yep. know what I mean. So, um, yep. it, so to me, um, MotoGP would be stupid not to follow suit in certain ways. Um, and if if I am already has some insight on how to do that each weekend in the form of sport, sprint races. Then I think that that's something that MotoGP might be able to look at. Um, The biggest uh, impact I think is the um, the practice qualifying structure. To me, that has the largest implications, Um, and and, and possibly, obviously, so you know. But um, and I'm not sure. And I and and forgive me, I did not read more into the uh, the details around the qualifying structure. Um, but to me I, I almost get i almost think that the super poll qualifying sessions that uh uh world superbike do are more uh conducive to support this type of the the, the sprint race format um and and, and you know because q one and q two i it, to me q one is almost it's almost pointless. Um, it's exciting to see two riders go through Q, you know, all of a sudden, Okay, yeah, that's just part of the building excitement and trying to create more people and more excitement on Saturday um, in Q1 and Q2. And, and Q2 is very exciting. But if you have a half an hour qualifying session, what's to say that those last 15 minutes or last 10 minutes, five minutes of that qualifying session are not just as exciting on a Saturday?
0: Well... That's an interesting thought, but I, I think the idea is more open track, right, for the Q1, Q2 thing. I think that's the deal. The, the thing that I find interesting about it, and you mentioned the qualifying but is it though, structure. I,
1: I mean, it, okay, it's more open track, but it just, you're not really sorting out who is, you know, it, it doesn't really matter to me. It, 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 I think the people that you see by the time FP3 rolls around, you know who's going to be in, Q one and Q two and and most of the time those that's where they're going to qualify as well and everyone's out on track at the same time. Yeah. So to me that's kind of that's that's a, a null argument. You know what I mean? It's just for oh just for free open track because somebody doesn't want to get a tow from someone else or you don't want to get a big pack of people like Moto two or Moto three.
0: Well, but, it's and, funny that they're changing the structure of the qualifying. And Saturday for MotoGP, mm-hmm. when the biggest problem for qualifying is Moto Three, like they're the problem. Yeah, like they. Yeah, that's and, a, and I, there's no argument. I, I,
1: right, and they're not going to change
0: that. They're like, no, nah, it's fine. Really, is it fine? You've been complaining but, about uh, it. For, yeah, you've been threatening.
1: Yeah. You've been threatening budget or uh, excuse me, penalty, but cost penalties, stuff like that. Right. For how long? Exactly. So whatever. If I am,
0: but I, I'm with you. I I think it is. um I think they want to change things up. I I do think they want more races because they think more people will come on Saturday if there's a sprint race. They want attendance, you know, for whatever reason, and a lot of people have a lot of opinions why, but the attendance is largely down this year a lot for MotoGP. Mm -hmm. And I think that you can directly, my personal thought is that you can directly attribute this to the loss of Valentino Rossi and the loss of Mark Marquez. You know, the two biggest stars. and, And it didn't matter that Marquez was at the front when he was a star and Rossi was at the back. His star power didn't even compare to Rossi. There was no one, and Lynn Jarvis has said it before, there's no one like Valentino Rossi. And the reason is the following that he had. And I see a lot of people online are like, oh, the Rossi fans hate Marquez, blah, blah, blah. Of course they do, but big deal. Yeah. The thing is, don't hate Valentino Rossi because he built – an unbelievable merchandise empire and built this following that's amazing. I, I mean, I dare you to try and count how many Rossi branded pieces of clothing you see at the track still. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. But I think with the biggest two stars gone, it's it's hurt it. The other thing that I think hurts it is the gentlemanly nature with which these writers go about their business. They are tremendously talented, all of them. I mean, Quartararo. I mean, Pecco Mm Bagnaia. I mean, Alaysha Spargaro. I mean, uh, I don't want to say Maverick Vinales, but I'll say Maverick Vinales. I mean, um, who else? Joan Mir, Alex Renz. But you know what we don't have? We don't have real drama and rivalry. We have it. They're all competitive. They do go hard on the track, but not as hard. I remember I said this about Marquez. They don't do what Marquez does. And for most of the time, I'm happy with that. But I think drama sells tickets and creates interest. So yeah, I maybe. don't love it, but I there's no real tooth and nail rivalry right now. I mean, look, Pecco so, and so- Quartararo are going head to head, but they're not. They're not spiting at each other. Track, no, yeah. and they're not in the post race conference getting a fight in the stairwell. And they're not going at each other like Rossi and Marquez did in the in the you know in the in the press conference. They're not doing that because that's not who they are, and that's okay. I don't need it off track, but I feel like it bleeds into on track where they're they race and they want to win. They all do, but they're also a little bit too captain novice minded about the
1: passing. Well, I think that I think that, you know, some of that is the fault of the FIM. Uh, you know, the FIM kind of litigated itself into, uh, you know, penalties and it litigated out a lot of the the, the those passionate overtakes and and on-track rivalries, I believe. Um, you mean the hot-blooded? Yep, those passionate. People. Yep, those are the ones. The um <laughs> But but by and large, you know, and I don't want to keep coming back to F1, but by and large you see the same type of behavior in F1. Yes. Um, yes, you know, you it's do. it's very uh it's very gentlemanly like if you don't uh, I don't know. But F1, they still
0: needle each other. They needle each other in the press. Oh, they yeah, they, Verstappen they loves it. It's, it's much more pa- <laughs> yeah,
1: it's much more passive aggressive though. You know, I mean it's yeah. just it's yeah. really that kind of nose look down your nose know, at another human being and comments that are made and um it, it 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 falls along those lines, but anyway, I, I, right? No, it. I I do think the FIM has somewhat to do with that. Um, okay, and,
0: I, that's and, that's not not a bad argument. I can I can see some of that. Yeah. Um.
1: But but at the end of the day, I mean, you have to fight for a championship, right? You're going to have absolutely have to actually ride hard against somebody, and I think Pecco Benyaya... The I keep going back to the race that he had against Marquez in Aragon. I think that was when he got his first win. When he would not be denied that win, Um, right? And and it was nothing was overly aggressive, but it was what two three laps of sheer aggression from both riders. Um and it and it was so professional it, it was you know it was not gentlemanly passes I mean they were aggressive one hundred percent you know but but it takes but have you tango. seen it since you, no no you haven't no yeah. not not yeah. yet but we also have no, we're not seeing that out of anyone though you know I mean right. there's not well, been that close of a of right. a battle at this point really I don't think um with the I think the exception being of possibly. Um, where Jorge Martín might have been in a, involved with a few scuffles with folks, or, or you know, or, or even Nea Bashnini. Um but I, I do, it's it's just when we see a win, it seems like we're seeing more dominant wins. No matter who wins that weekend, you, you know, there there's just it,
0: nobody yeah, wants I, to push
1: anymore. Everyone's just well, they're they're going to be content to take their points if they're not going to, you know, if they're not four four or five seconds ahead at the at the end of lap fifteen.
0: Yeah, I I think I I think you're absolutely right. I but I do think if we get this championship gets closed up points wise, I think we might get a little bit of that at the end of the year. Some I nice hope so. Hard, yeah, right? yeah, 100%. yeah, we all hope so, for that, yeah. right? And but the but if if the the gap isn't close, like if they get down to the end of the year and Fabio still has a 20 point lead, eh, you know, they're going to do what they do. Um but that that's that's neither here nor there my thing is you know i think the points that they're giving which is a half distance they're giving half points so i am interested to see if that makes an impact on the the chase to the world championship right like i'm i'm interested to see that so i want to i want to reserve judgment on whether i like it or not until i see a season of it when i when i initially saw they were going to do the sprint race my first thought was huh I wonder if another series' success with this format has influenced it. And you made the comment of F1 and World Superbike. But I thought more about World Superbike because they're going to do it in every stop. Yeah. So we'll see what this means because I, I don't think they're going to count the sprint races as race wins in MotoGP or they'll have a separate category as sprint race rent wins, right? Yeah. So, whereas World Superbike does not discriminate in the Super Superpole race or the other race. They just right, say right. wins, right? So, that'll be interesting. Um I, I and I but I want to give it a chance before I yell at the FIM again. So, let's talk about the news that we got uh in MotoGP. We know that RNF Aprilia is now confirmed Oliveira and Fernandez, which we kind of knew that, what, two months ago? Um, But that's been, so that leaves an interesting spot open with the Gas Gas team. Do you think there's a chance Remy Gardner slides in there?
1: So I think Remy Gardner needs, I think Remy Gardner, I don't want to say deserves, but of all of the names that could possibly move up from Moto Two um, or are left in Moto GP. That should be Remy Gardner's seat. I think Remy Gardner waited on that contract from Tech Three and kind of waited out that because he he wanted to be part of that team. He didn't want to go away from you know the the potential to uh, you know be be with an Akiyo team or within that KTM family. Um, and I think that bit him in the butt. Uh, unfortunately, you know I think that he was left out in the cold whenever they changed contracts and then. You have Polo Spargaro that takes the other seat. And then Miguel Oliveira then begins, it pops up in conversation again uh, because, you know, rightfully so, Miguel Oliveira is is KTM's winningest rider. Um, That's right. He's a race winner. At at the MotoGP level. But I I do think that of of everyone right now in the paddock, that should be Remy Gardner's uh, seat. Um, and I hope that it, it comes to fruition because I don't think we got to see really what Remy Garner could do with the KTM was not, uh, what he's riding this year. It's not really sorted out. Um, it, you know, no KTM rider is really doing as well as KTM had hoped that they would be doing this year. I mean, they got two, what, three, right. three race wins last year or four race wins, uh, yep. possibly Just last one year. this year. Um, yep. yeah, so uh, to me, no, it, it, it absolutely, it should be Remy's seat. Um, what what are you thinking about that? I personally, I'm glad to see that Raúl Fernandez is, is staying in MotoGP. Um, I would like to. I really want to see what the Raúl Fernandez project turns out to look like in MotoGP because he had such yeah. a talent in Moto Two. Uh, he but did I have a that, lot of
0: talent. Yeah, you're right. What would you say? You you think that what?
1: No, I was just gonna. I was gonna ask your opinion uh, of of yeah.
0: That. Huh. Um, you okay, buddy? Need some water? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um I think I think Raul Fernandez showed us flashes of absolute brilliance in Moto two and we've seen none of that in Moto GP. So hopefully he can find it again in Dupree, but I think if he does this one year and he does awful, I think he's on his way out. Um Remy Gardner kind of got the raw end of that deal. I, I think he's a world champion. And you didn't give him a very good bike. It was not very good. No one's doing well on it. You can say whatever you want about Brad Bender, but he's not doing well for a factory team. And he's a great rider. We love Brad Bender. And the only race win they have this year is from a guy who no longer wants to be there. So what does that tell you? And I just feel like they could have done better with both of their rookies. I don't think Fernandez actually wanted to even come up to MotoGP. They kind of forced it because they didn't want to lose him to Yamaha Mm because Yamaha was making overtures. Um, And I think that's hot garbage. You know, I, you know, you're, he was a dominant force in Moto2 and probably this year, all in all honesty would be the Moto2 world champion if he was in Moto2. Um, But I think someone for that seat may be Augusto Fernandez coming up from Moto2, especially if he wins the world championship. So I'm, not expecting an announcement soon, but I guess it could happen. I, But I, I'm i with you. I think Remy really should get that seat. Let's see what he can do. Get your bike sorted a little bit. If your bike is better and your two factory guys are up in the top five and Remy's still down in 20th, okay, I'm with you. It's time to go. Yeah, I think but,
1: Remy needs another year, though, to see what he can yeah. do.
0: So that's, that's my thought there. Um, I, I really... I don't know why R&F Apriya was so excited to get Raul Fernandez. I mean, especially after the year he's had. I mean, what, what excites you about that? But, you know, I think that they considered him an upgrade over Darren Bender, which I would agree with. Um, although, Darren Bender's outridden them this year.
1: Really, both of them. Well, he's outridden both so of them. Let, all right, so we, we, we will have to argue that. And, and you know that I was in support of the Darren Bender move. I was excited about trying, giving Darren Bender a shot in MotoGP. Uh, really was, um, Darren Bender. Well, can you remind me the, how that's worked out so far? Darren Bender is also, um, <laughs> on, you know, and let's speak relatively ter- relative terms here. Darren Bender's on the easiest bike to ride in MotoGP, right? Uh, ask Morbidelli,
0: ask Davizioso. I don't. I don't know.
1: I don't think you can throw Davizioso into that conversation. Davizioso was a year removed um, with the the, the I, year. I don't with, think he was willing to risk
0: the breaking. Yeah, but the the, the breaking zones like uh, Fabio and Darren are. Though. You're right.
1: But um, but even I mean we've seen it. You've seen it throughout uh, other riders that have come into Yamaha team and done well and then can't go ride the, the bike anywhere else. You know. yeah Jorge true. Renzo was very very much the same. Uh, took him a year that's to figure true. out the Ducati. Then then once he figured the Ducati out, he was a winner on it. Um, and then, you know, went to Honda. Couldn't ride the bike for anything. Um, but we, and we won't get into the Honda conversation because that's a whole other rabbit hole. Oh, uh, blah, blah. Yeah, we don't want to talk about Honda anymore. But um, I, I think that I, – I, I honestly don't think that Darren Bender would really do well in another team. I think it would be yet another – big learning curve for him uh, throughout the year and teams right now with the talent pool that's in moto Two, uh, the demand that sponsors have on teams. I don't think you can afford to wait another year. You have to be able to hit the ground running um, in 2023 with all of these new contracts. Riders have to perform.
0: Right. You're, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, they, they really do have to perform and, But can you remind me again about uh, whether or not what I said was going to happen with Darren Bender?
1: (laughs) I don't remember the specifics, but Darren Bender does have a top 10 this year.
0: (laughs) There he goes. There he is. He's so mad at me all the time. But I, so I, right. I didn't believe Darren Bender should have gotten that seat. That was my personal opinion. And I also, I anticipated him doing exactly what he's done this year. You know, he's got, he's he's crashed out of three out of the last four. He's got a total of four DNFs. Um, but to your point, he has a top 10 and one other point scoring race. So he has he been a disaster comparatively to Fernandez and Gardner? No, but he also doesn't have the pedigree of Gardner or Fernandez. He's right. never... He doesn't have the race wins to back that up. You know, he doesn't. So, point is, is that Darren's probably going to end up in Moto2. You know, the, the long and the short of it. Um, what about John Mir going to Repsol? I'm a little surprised they went ahead and signed him. Honestly, Why? I am. Because that guy's been a dumpster fire this year. I mean, I love Joan Mir; He's my dude, but my goodness. I I have I told you in the last podcast, I would not I would have bet my house he wouldn't have had a year like this. And I would have lost that house. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dang it. I it it is it's a travesty, honestly, what's happening right now with Suzuki and with Joan Mirror, especially. He's not gonna be in Mizano, he's not racing. Um, they reached out to Danilo Petrucci to ride that bike. Oh, my. Um, and he declined, which I'm a little surprised though. I wouldn't have cared if I was Danilo. I'm like, Let me ride this Suzuki. I've never been on a Suzuki. Let me ride this thing. But I, I think there probably would have been some issues with Ducati. They wouldn't have liked yeah. very much. Um, so he just, he just didn't do it.
1: Yeah, I but mean. But back to Mir. Yeah, with Mir. What are I your mean, thoughts on Mir? You know, I'm not going to say Mears' season didn't start off terrible. Um, You know, he had one DNF prior to the Spanish round, which I think the Spanish round was when they announced they would be pulling out, correct? Right, Uh, and since then? Yeah, it's been terrible since then. Uh, You know, uh, five DNFs and uh, one one 13-point scoring finish and then eight points. So um, definitely not what... Join Meer would have thought not. I, I agree with you. Not what I would have thought he would have done this year. I was expecting Mir and Rins both to be championship contenders after you know the first, um, first few races with them. Uh, Alex Renz seemed like he kind of took a step more towards consistency. But even after that Spanish round, Alex Renz has four DNFs. Um, oh, so, I know. It, it, you know, it, it, I think that there is just such a huge. Um, just, just rain cloud in that garage that there's, I'm curious what the efforts like, you know, each weekend. I mean, they can say we're working our, our hardest. We're doing what we can, but are they in sync? Are those teams in sync or are those teams continuing to, to look at the next chapter to see, okay, well, uh, this isn't going to be here next year. So I need to find a job. I need to do something. I need to figure out what's going to happen. Um you know, kind of what's I'm curious to know what the temperature's like inside that garage really. Yeah. On both I, sides I, of it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, I think, you know, I'm very interested to see because as I look at the rider lineups, um both Mir and Marquez in their contracts in twenty four. Right. Um Morbidelli is 23, but Fabio is also going to be on the market at the end of 24. Um, Apriya, Maverick, and Alesh end of 24. Jack and Brad Bender at Red Bull end of 24. <laughs> I mean, uh, Francesco Bagnaia and Inaya Bastianini at the end of 24. So, uh, this after 2023 in the 2024 year that's going to be astounding um RNF both of them will ride until 2024 ride through 2024 and then uh we'll see what happens with Polo Sparko he's at the end of 2024 well my point is here in 2024 big shakeup there's going to be a huge shakeup shake
1: and honestly I think you know, I think, for, uh, uh, so the rider to me on the bubble is Franco Morbidelli for next year. Uh Franco oh, Morbidelli 100%. has to have a stellar year. Uh, and, I mean, top, he's top five po- in he's the capable. championship. he's capable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was second in the championship in 2020. You know, and, and, what, had five wins, something like that. It was amazing. Yeah. It, it was a great yeah. year on a satellite bike for him. Um yeah. And really kind of came out of nowhere. He was just that dark horse. And uh, the season's just been a dumpster fire for him. Unfortunately, there's, you know, he is, uh, I think I'd read a, uh, an article about, you know, his riding style. He's not an aggressive rider when it comes to attacking a corner, which is what Fabio Quadraro does and has to do. So Franco Morbidelli has been trying to adapt his riding style to, to be more aggressive. Um, and that's the one comment that was made was that, you know, Fabio Corraro just lets go of the brake lever and just carries so much more corner speed. But Franco Morbidelli doesn't do that, uh, right? Know, he kind of trails in further and and almost points the bike, I think. And obviously with a Yamaha, it's it's it, it can't work that way, you know, because Davizioso's doing the same thing and Darren Binder's doing the same thing, and it's just not it, it's not working.
0: Yeah, no, they they do ride very differently, the two of them, and that is showing up. And it's showing that the bike isn't able to be ridden with any sort of consistency or real pace for Morbidelli right now. But we also have... uh, We've we've talked about Gas Gas is opening. We don't know who's going to get that. I mean, if you had to put your money on somebody, would it be Remy or Augusto Fernandez?
1: I'd take Remy, personally.
0: Yeah, but what do you think they're going to do?
1: You know, I I don't know. I mean, to see how... I, I, I'm i not really sure how fickle uh, KTM is or gas gas is to be quite honest. Uh, you know, they have put, I'll put it, they have tolerated a Dennis on chew in moto three for how long um, as he works towards own and, and obviously we know that the demand for results is much higher as you work up through the class, but oh, sure. back to the argument that you had brought up, the fact that Remy Gardner is a world champion and, you know, Augusto Fernandez may be a world champion at the end of this year, but right. that remains to be seen. It, you know, they, they can't – to me, if they're, you're going to make that comparison and you're going to bring up a world championship, you can't just say – you can't bring Augusto Fernandez. Well, he could could potentially be a world champion. With this You have the same unknown going into the season that you did with Remy Gardner, and it could be just the same outcome as Remy Gardner could did. Could be. Yeah, um,
0: with, yeah. He has no experience on the MotoGP bike. He may struggle just like Gardner did. You're one hundred percent right.
1: Whereas you have Remy Gardner, leave him on the bike for another year, let him let him do what he can do, and then see what happens. Also with augusto Fernandez, and then pro- possibly think about inverting them. Or you're going to at that point you the conversation could be bringing Pedro Acosta into MotoGP.
0: <sighs> Absolutely, we need more Absolutely. bikes. That's how we solve yeah, this. But, we need more bikes. Yeah, KTM. Go ahead and field eight bikes, just like Ducati. That's what I'm saying.
1: And, but you, you,
0: you know, I. I so we're going to get through this, and then I'm going to make another point about it. But so we've got that. All right. So who are you? Who are you tabbing at LCR? Are you going to Iagura? Who Ayagura. deserves it? Bring Iagura up. So now they're both going to ride the 2023 spec bike. If I'm Nakagami, do I want to ride that bike anymore?
1: If you're Nakagami, I don't think that you've deserved to, you don't get an opinion anymore.
0: Boom. Take that, Nakagami. You heard it here. Helicopter Kid said he's got a ride for you.
1: You know, and all <laughs> all that said, Nakagami only has three DNFs this year, um, you know, and two no-scores. So, yeah. I, I guess it's not terrible, but Nakagami is also not the top Honda in the championship, and he has raced in every no. single race.
0: Yeah, so you you're make a good point. We both found it surprising that VR46 has not confirmed either of their riders, but I have it on good authority that they're going to return <laughs> both riders. You have it and on good authority? they're just waiting yes i i have sources no i i I placed a call to valentino
1: i figured that's what it was yeah yeah
0: he left me a message he was out riding at the motor ranch he left me a message point is is that they're going to keep them both now they're just trying to figure out which spec bike they're going to have um they want the 2023 spec of course they're on the 2022s this year Mm -hmm. um but, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I, I don't think, as a team, you get rid of those guys at all. Like, I think they've done what they're supposed to do. Um, I think, so going to next year, I mean, there may be one interesting later. But right now, what is the most interesting rider-team combination for you? What are you most interested to see what they can make happen? What What are you thinking next year? You're saying, okay, this will be really cool to see what this person on this bike can do.
1: I'm looking at the KTM garage, honestly. Um, You know, I'm a big Jack Miller fan, big Brad Bender fan. Okay. okay, I think that Jack, you know, Jack Miller's ridden on Honda, he's ridden on the uh, Ducati, and now he's hopping over to uh, the KTM with Brad Bender. They're both race winners. Uh, Jack Miller has proven himself to be a great teammate. Um, to his, his stable mate as long as they get along, it seems. And Jack Miller, you know, never minces words with anything. And, and I think the same could be said with Brad Bender. So I'm really kind of interested to see how that team dynamic um, plays out. I think they both have – they seem like they have somewhat similar personalities and um, how they carry themselves. Um, and, and, you know, if they can – start the season well i think that it would just there they seem to be momentum riders almost you know they they kind of have once they start to get that that positive vibe and that positive momentum flowing um it just kind of snowballs back and forth so i'm curious to see how that plays back and forth inside that garage and you know if it does have any kind of influence on the results uh throughout the season sure that that's kind of sure. the garage that i'm looking at right now um, I'm going to do you one better. The second garage I'm looking at is absolutely the Ducati garage, though, to see how Francesco Bagnaia and Ineo Bastianini um, operate with one another.
0: Yeah, that will be an interesting dynamic to see how well Bastianini works with Peko, if they can get along, et cetera, et cetera, And honestly, I think they will be able to get along as long as they're not going head-to-head a lot you know what i mean yeah, like if they yeah. if one of them is way forward one of them's way back i don't i don't think uh i don't, I don't think, think it'd be, be a tense issues. relationship yeah.
1: like the uh, gas gas um the moto 3 gas gas team is
0: no i i don't either not and not initially but it could very well get there right like right. they all can get there yep. um i'd be interested to see how pecco deals with that because we've never seen pecco that kind of guy. He's a likable character. Um, he's, he's, he's professional. pretty easygoing. He's professional always, but you know, I can't say Bastianini is not. Both of them are Moto2 champions. Mm-hmm. So this will be a big deal. Um, my, my garage, are you, is that, are those the two garages you're looking at mostly?
1: Sure. Yeah. What are your garage?
0: I am very, yeah. very interested in the Honda garage. Because I, if there's a garage I expect there to be fireworks, guess where it is? Mark Marquez is Joan Mir. Because Joan Mir doesn't care about your reputation. Now, to be fair, Joan Mir hasn't had the results that Mark Marquez has in his career. But, Mark, but he is a MotoGP world champion. So, he will not care about Marquez's reputation. And it will be very interesting to see how he works with Marquez. If those two guys work together and have a great relationship, oh, it can look be powerhouse. out the rest yeah. of the pattern. Absolutely. Because these two guys are supremely talented. And if that bike gets better, and if these two guys can work together and you see them have some sort of relationship like Pecco and Jack, I don't think it'll be that. I don't think Marquez can do that. But if they can do something in that vein, oh, man. What a team that could be! Um, the other garage I'm really interested to look at, believe it or not, is the RNF Apriya team. I want to see what Raúl Fernandez can do. I want—I know, I know Oliveira what he can do. We know that, mm-hmm. but specifically Raúl Fernandez. If Raúl Fernandez catches fire like he did in Moto Two, there are going to be some. Fantastic races yeah. on Sunday and Saturday next year, and I can't wait for that. I think that team um,
1: that that entire team will be something to watch too, uh, because the, you know they're used to Yamaha's. You know, as the uh, that's uh, the right patronus Yamaha team for for several years. Um, so I'm curious to see how Razzle and Rasley kind of runs that team and transitions mm-hmm. over to Aprilia. Well, yes, but the the nice thing for the riders is
0: that they are both V4 riders. Right, right, right. Which is not the inline like the Suzuki mm-hmm. or the Yamaha, which is a very different style. So it'll be very interesting to see if that helps them adapt because we know the Aprilia is a good bike.
1: Yeah, There's that's no what I was going to say. And you know, it yeah. could be very interesting to see what uh, Miguel Oliveira can do on a that's right you know a good all around bike, which we know the Aprilia is probably probably the best all around bike right now in the in the grid. I would argue that Ducati. Might be better all around,
0: but that Apriya, if they are second, is very close um they, the 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 end of the discussion is Apriya made a fantastic bike this year yeah. it's a great bike and it was light years ahead of where they had been i mean we can't we can't disagree there that's that's exactly what it is but in terms of that that that's going to be really interesting because you know Miguel Oliveira... Could, if, if, I mean, you're right. I mean, if this bike is good and it's always been the bike that's the problem, Miguel Oliveira may shoot straight to the front. You know what I mean? And and be really disruptive. Now, how does the factory team handle that is a great question. Because we got two dudes in there that I wouldn't describe, well, at least especially one, as mentally strong. (laughs) So the other thing I wanted to bring up about that was that Mark Marquez shows up at the Red Bull ring does some press and Maverick Vinales has a terrible weekend. Is that a coincidence? I think not. He had been on the podium two races in a row. Mark Marquez just goes out there, does a press conference and Mavericks can't race. He can't do it. (laughs) The greatest, that was the greatest thing ever. But All that to say is that there is some real interesting storylines coming in 2023. Mm -hmm. We've got some changes to the format. We've got some riders in different places where they can make noise. You know, Jack moving to KTM. If KTM can do what Apriya did, they're going to give him a great bike. And then a great bike for a guy like Brad Bender. Look out. Put Brad Bender against Oliveira, against Miller, against Pecco, against Fabio. I, I... it could be a tremendous season. And with Marquez coming back and Honda improves that bike and Mir's riding well again, oh, man, we could have a different winter every yeah. week almost. Absolutely. And it, it, but inevitably what will happen is one of those bikes will be a straight-up pig, and it won't be good at that level. Now, again, for you and me, be the best bike we'd ever ridden in our lives. We'd be super fast in our, in our world but for these guys they can't do it but uh i i'm excited for that and i was thinking about that because i was getting ready to talk with you tonight I, like that's you know about seven o'clock i was like ooh, i want to talk about this i want to talk about that i want to talk about this because you know in my household nobody's talking to me about any of this stuff they're like who Pecco? what kind of name is peco I'm, <laughs> I'm, like,
1: I'm glad i could be the highlight of your week
0: well, you are the highlight. I mean you always are. You're just such a I'm so you're such bubbly. delight. I'm a ray of sunshine. Yeah, you're, right? you right. You are a ray of sunshine in a cloudy, cloudy world. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else did you see out there that you uh that, that caught your attention this week? We saw a couple things in Moto America that caught our attention. One was the protest of uh Rocco Lander's bike. Um, the engine, and it passed inspection. So, thanks a lot for making <laughs> us tear it down. Yeah. <laughs> I I have a real problem. Was Is it confirmed that the Ducati team was the one that protested? I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, I saw a post on social media that, that said just that. And if that's true, your rider is ahead by a mile. Why would you do that? Why yeah. would you cost yeah. a budget racing team all that money unless you just wanted to play mind games, unless Josh was just playing mind games with Rocco? It, Ed, you
1: know, I, I don't know. I don't I, put it past him. I don't, no. And it but, could.
0: It may not have been his idea, though. It may have been his, his team's idea.
1: But would you
0: put that past the number two?
1: No, not at all. Yeah, no. nor would I. Not, Not at all. At
0: all. I, no, I, you could, so you are
1: with me. I was like, oh, I totally could see that happen. <laughs> no, yeah, I, could, <laughs> I, I believe that that's, that's an absolutely plausible, um, you know, a plausible scenario that could have played out. And, and honestly, who else is going to protest Rocco Landers um, in, in that particular race? If, if Rocco Landers gets, and here's the logic that I'm looking at, if Rocco Landers gets protest in that race, then why was Josh Heron not protested in every single of the first what how many races when he just ran away with uh, with the you know the, to start the oh, season right. well so, because it, other people have class right and, and and I wonder if you know maybe he was but and the argument I guess there is going to be well Josh Josh Heron didn't get protested because he's on a B2 900cc well, Rock got protested because he's in an inline 4600 cc, and he's the only you know the OR six that's been able to do that. And he, there's no way he should have been able to do it because the bike was too fast. Kid figured out how to ride it over the season. Deal with it.
0: Yeah, it's not you know I I don't know we're we're, we're, we're reacting we don't really, yeah, yeah we don't really know the whole story but what I do know for a fact is that if it's confirmed that it was Ducati, I, I, I lose respect for that team. You got spanked in one race. You have a 3,000-point lead in the championship, and you're like, oh, take these guys that are his mom's running his pit board, his dad's running his team. You know, that, oh, I just can't deal with it. If we were at the highest level where it was Red Bull and the F1 against McLaren, sure, protest it. That's fine, money isn't an issue, but for guys like Rocco Landers, money is an issue yeah. so you know what yep. I here's what I say if I'm if I was stony Landers, if I was Landers racing, I would stand out there on the grid and give two middle fingers to that stupid team <laughs> if that's what they did it you know what I mean I would because we weren't you're mad you think we're cheated, but if I was Rocco now, I would be more motivated than ever. To spank that team that protested me, yeah. To just go hand it to them, right. and then you know what? And, I, and I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it, and we're going to spank them again. And you know, you can go, and you're twice as old as me. So you, so you basically got inside the head of a of a seventeen year old. Way to go, thirty two year old. <laughs> Way to go again. Don't they call that he,
1: mental bullying? Or-
0: yeah, yes, for sure. I think we could you could definitely. If he was if he was had done it on social media, we could get him blocked. Meta would block him. <laughs> but but you know, it, it the thing is is like I just I just had a problem with it, but if Ducati was indeed the, it, and I don't know that Josh Heron was even the driving factor. He may not have thought anything about it, maybe it was his crew chief. Right. Maybe his crew chief was watching it and listening he's, to but it. He's he's the like, fa-
1: he's the face of the team, so
0: He he is the face of the team, so it's definitely his fault. You know, nobody blames, uh, you know, those folks. So, you know, nobody blames
1: you, John Hopkins when Cam crashes, except for us. Well, it's because it's his fault. Yeah, we know <laughs> we know where the blame falls there.
0: But yeah, I mean, it's just it's just uh, it is what it is. I I just I was frustrated by the fact that he was protested number one. And then when I saw that it was Ducati, now it's not confirmed. I don't know that for sure. But I was like, "Come on, come on! You guys have a huge lead. There's no way you're gonna lose, unless you just crash. And then it doesn't matter if he's pedaling. If he finishes, you know what I mean? You know, yeah. It just it was whatever. It's it's um it's it's just tough. It's really tough. Um. But, you know, I'm glad that they passed because it just showed that yeah, on that day yeah. they were just better. Yep. You know, they were just better than a 100%. team with unlimited money. And and I like that. Um, in other news, I saw that some of the, uh, just a, something I saw was that a couple of the Twins Cup riders are testing the Aprilia RSV4 and hoping to get that homologated for the, you know, the Superbike. Or the Stock 1000 Championship next year, which would be great. Yeah. That would be cool. That would be cool. I would like to see that. And that's Moto America I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but that would be cool.
1: What else did you see this week? Uh, Not much. I have been uh, isolated within school. so.
0: Well, you sent me – what else did you send me on um, – you sent me something. What was the article you sent me this week? I meant to talk about it. Um, it was a bunch of them. Um. Oh, you talked about we jumping back to MotoGP. KTM has taken the reins, also hiring F1 engineers. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I want. I I, I was like, I want to talk about that. So it feels like. Now I remember. I don't know if you weren't watching this time, but I remember when Kenny Roberts Proton team brought a bunch of F1 guys in and got what he claimed to be awful advice from the F1 teams. (laughs) (laughs) So it will be very interesting to me if this pans out for both Yamaha and for KTM. I, I don't think more mechanical or engine operational knowledge is a bad thing regardless of the influences before because it's still an internal combustion engine yeah yes yes the v4 works differently than the motor they use in the f1 car but it still burns petrol and it still has a piston and those guys knew how to make those cars more powerful i'm pretty sure he's got some ideas on how to make any engine more powerful and more higher performance What do you i think? think
1: um i, I think aerodynamics it, it all you think comes it's down, more for the aerodynamics? It all comes to aerodynamics for me. I think, um, even you know, for the KTM, we, why not? I mean, everyone, each bike has their their kind of their different shapes and their different, you know, their different styles and what they've been able to do. Um, <clears throat> but I think with the way that the bike behaves, creating a symmetrical motorcycle, um, in 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 creating. A bike that the air flows well around and can be handled properly, you know, and it can transition, and change directions, can stop, go, brake, and do all in turn. It, it, doing those things the best, you know, there is an aerodynamic component to it. It's a huge aerodynamic component. I think that it, as you begin to start to to push um, to push performance levels, you know, out of the engines, out of the brakes, out of the tires, um, and now you're going to start looking at those aerodynamic. Um, exploitations. Ducati does it. Um, I think that Aprilia. I think Aprilia really, really did well in that new, um, in that new lower belly pan section um, with the, you know, the kind of with that ledge that's built out that has the that that's built into the body, its own aerodynamics. It's not a wing that sticks out. You know, it's not a wing that can get detached. If that panel comes off, that's how that arrow that, that arrow comes off. You know, and and to me. Um, that's, that's, that's really genius, you know, from them as to, well, if something happens, if they, if we get contact into turn one, how can this bike still go throughout the race without being damaged? If we hit the turn, if we get contact in turn one, well, that's the way we make a, we make an aerodynamic panel that cannot come off and we have to, ex, you know, exploit airflow around the the bike in that manner, um, and figure out still how the mechanics of a motorcycle, you know, can, can be used while, while manipulating airflow around the bike. Um, Yeah. And and that's why I think, you know, uh, uh, Aprilia, and I'm trying to remember um, Aprilia almost, if you, if you compare the front wing of an Aprilia to um, an actual F1 car, you know, the the F1 front wings are almost like a dynamic. Um, They have multiple levels of, you know, the carbon fiber splitters. And as air goes over that and as, as the car goes faster and faster, that 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 those those wings kind of squash down as that downforce continues to get created. And I'm I'm curious to know if the front wing on an Aprilia acts the same way as if that when that when that bike you know gets up to speed as it gets faster and faster. I would love to see what that wing is actually doing. If that wing starting to squash down just a little bit, and those panels are starting to get closer. And then under braking, if it's starting to you know. Move air in between those two panels again and expand and actually flex as as air goes over it, um, you know, and just to know how rigid of a panel it actually is. So I, I think there's a lot to do with aerodynamics there. Because, and and the reason I say that is every other bike on the grid has a very fixed panel uh, wing. There, there's no additional kind of slats in between the main, uh, you know, the main uh, airfoils or anything like that. So um, if, if Aprilia has been able to make a dynamic Package, you know, with that front wing, then then I think it'd be it could be huge for them. Honda did something similar this year with the Honda Cati Aprilia that they made. Um, it had wow. a very similar front wing to the Aprilia, I think, quite a bit, uh, but still had that front nose of a Ducati. But then they went away from that um, that air uh, that arrow package, um, and they've come out with a more uh, with with honestly with a front fairing that looks more similar to a Yamaha and even similar to the old. Um, the older RC two one three V, when when Arrow was initially started to the, the initially started to appear on bikes, if you remember that, um, it looks right. a little similar to that, I just a, bit far, a little bit larger and, and more extended. Um, but as far as bringing F one engineers into the sport. F1 engineer. I think another another key component to imagine or to think about is that F1 engineers they are operating at extremes. Uh, you know the the extreme downforce numbers with those cars, uh, extreme G forces within those cars, uh, and cornering forces. So being able to bring that expertise to a motorcycle and but understand it and adapt it to how a motorcycle handles because you can't load a tire the same way uh, you know in a motorcycle as you can in a car. Um, right. the forces are they're the same forces but they're acting differently upon the motorcycle um so it it's it'll be interesting to see um i i am ex- well, it, it I hope it helps, me, you know yeah yeah it, it, i just it, it, hope it helps it'll right? change like, it, it'll absolutely change and it'll evolve the sport yet again um yeah. uh, you know we, i mean bikes now have to we're we're seeing the four cylinder the, the inline 4 um uh, Uh, finally die probably you know i I would be i'm very curious to know just how much longer yamaha sticks with it you know it's kind of the alamo right now for yamaha and um i'm very curious if it even continues into 2024
0: well i I think one aspect of this that you're mentioning the inline four and kind of yamaha being the last holdout because of course suzuki is leaving is suzuki did manage to find some great power from an inline four so maybe Mm -hmm. not but it's very interesting that I heard this opinion on a podcast uh, that I listened to that really the Japanese dominance over the last few years, maybe 10 years of the MotoGP calendar, the, the, their dominance in podiums and wins and championships is really over. But even though they won it last year, they have one rider carrying the flag for all Japanese manufacturers. Right. And that's yep. only Fabio. And if you look everywhere else and the things that like Ducati has done, obviously they've done a ton. But if you look at KTM now, I you know, and a, what Apriya has done with KTM now taking it up, I, I think, you know, they have to come out with a great package next year or they are in trouble. And the same for Honda. I mean, it's been a wretched year for Honda, but... They, there's there's a chance they can turn it around. I mean, they have one of the greatest riders to ever throw a leg over a bike on their team, and maybe he can get back to some form. Mm-hmm. His recovery seems to be going well. Um, but yeah, really, you know, I, I, I hated that we jumped from Moto America back to GP, but I, I'd forgotten about that. But I did find it just like you. I found it very interesting. I was thinking more for the motor development, but you're thinking more for the aerodynamics, which makes perfect sense because, you know, F1... I think- Spends millions of dollars on aerodynamics. Well, I think if, motor,
1: if you if you look at a motor development and engine development standpoint, um, you, you know the uh, F one vehicles are, are hybrids. You know, and we haven't gone to that stage yeah. yet with motorcycle racing. I'm not saying That's it's true. not going to happen, but i I and if if the yeah. world goes, you know, if everything goes in this direction and the sports be, continue to mold together, you know, because. In 2026 F1 will not they will still have an internal combustion engine but it will be no it will be zero fossil fuels allowed um, and will need will have to have to be uh, powered by 100% I think renewable fuel I'd have to look at it again so I don't know if that means a synthetic fuel somehow but it does say zero fossil 0% fossil fuel uh, and the 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 hybrid system the the NGUK engine component is that that power is being raised and the indoor combustion engine uh, power is being lowered, but they're still going to maintain about a thousand horsepower. So, um, you know, it's interesting to see when you kind of look long term um, and and like you're saying, if it is for engine development, then to me, that would mean possibly entertaining a hybrid system within motorcycles or looking at what and sure and a longer ranged, more higher power, higher efficiency electric motorcycle might look like. Which yeah, I think absolutely. we're years away from,
0: yeah yeah, and the truth is, is that k t m riders don't complain about their power, you know, they don't complain about the speed of the bike, the absolutely right, not a lot, they complain about the usability of it, mm-hmm. right, like that's you know, so maybe the arrow is exactly what they need, and maybe you're right on target there, but really that's uh that's what I've got for this evening.
1: How about you? Yeah, I think that's it. We uh, we kind of rambled on about some stuff and touched on many different areas. And, uh, no, I think it was a good one. I, I Yeah, I you know, we got to ramble every once in a while. I mean, we
0: have, you know, we're guys living normal lives. We have lots of stuff that we want to say. We don't, well, I do, that I don't get to say around <laughs> here because it falls on deaf ears. But the truth is, is uh I think we're right. I, I I like these kind of weeks where we can just talk about the news, you know, and the sometimes because there was a lot of stuff happening, you know, from the sprint races to the rider signings, which we'll see. That I, and I'm sure that the the other stuff will come very shortly. I'm really waiting anxiously for the calendar to come out for 2023. Yeah. Yep. Um, when they told me they we weren't start starting hotels. a guitar. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, but, you know, I – I was really uh, kind of bothered that uh, they weren't starting Qatar, but as I think about it, I care less and less. As long as they still race in Qatar, I don't care. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah, but I think that'll be good for me. You ready to sign off? Yeah, man. Uh, I'm ready. All right. I've got to load up the trailer tomorrow and hit the trails. Cool. Well,
0: listen, guys, if you're out there riding this weekend like Bo and Ange, listen, keep that shiny side up, that rubber side down. We definitely want you to stay safe out there. If you're not following us on social media, follow us at Park to Turn 1 on Facebook and Instagram. Well, I'm Jason, a.k.a. Captain Novice. I've had a great time, and I'm saying good night with my man Bo. Have a good one, guys.